Chapter Three of Neighbours by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mrs. Buckthorn was at home, her head tied up in red flannel, which lent an awful majesty to her aspect as she bade Miss Malvina be seated in close proximity to the kitchen stove. Got neuralgia, Miss Buckthorn? inquired the dressmaker, rolling her news like a sweet morsel under her tongue. To herself, she thought, she ain't heard it yet for all her party wire. Miss Bennett had not felt able to afford a telephone, a fact of which certain of her customers had taken mean advantage. Mrs. Buckthorn heaved a vast resounding sigh, which appeared to take its rise in the soles of her substantial shoes. It's more like neuritis, she said. You ain't never had that, Malvina, but the doctor says my nervous constitution is delicate, very delicate. No, I know I don't look it, but it ain't always size and heft that counts. Thank the Lord it ain't, said Miss Bennett. I don't know where I'd come in if it did. I ain't no bigger in a minute and never expect to be, but I can whirl in and work equal to the best. Mrs. Buckthorn eyed the dressmaker searchingly. Are you as busy as usual this spring, Malvina? she inquired. Oh, busier, quoth Miss Bennett stoutly. She met Mrs. Buckthorn's inquisitorial gaze unflinchingly. Land, I was saying to Mara only this morning. I'm so drove, I says, I don't know but what I shall have to hire a girl. Not that I like em around, cluttering up the shop and setting me half crazy with doing things wrong. <laughs> Still, I says, I got to get this here work out of my shop before the summer sewing comes in, I says. I want no, syllabled Mrs. Buckthorn slowly. Then she smiled rather disagreeably and moved her large shoulders. The dressmaker's thin face reddened. I just took home a beautiful new dress to Mrs. Pettibone, she said defiantly. Hmm, murmured Mrs. Buckthorn, adjusting the folds of red flannel above her brow. I'm surprised to hear you say so. You be. I'd like to know why. Well, for one thing, I should think under the circumstances, our pastor's wife would need to practice the strictest economy. I hear she's expecting to employ a trained nurse from Boston. Mrs. Buckthorn shook her head slowly. We all know our pastor's income, Malvina, and we're aware that trained nurses from Boston cost thirty dollars a week. I don't blame em none, contended Miss Bennett. It's cheaper than a funeral. You surprise me, Malvina. Well, maybe I can surprise you some more. Miss Reverend Pettibone's baby has come to town with bells. It's a boy, and he weighs nine pounds. Miss Malvina cast the final item of information in the balance with a lavish generosity, which paid no heed to prosaic fact. Might as well say so, she privately excused herself. Sounds healthy. Anyway, I'll bet he'll weigh his nine pounds sooner or later. Well, I declare, gasped Mrs. Buckthorn, a boy, a nine pounds. Oh, dressed, temporized Miss Bennett. It's kind of chilly weather, so they waved him in his clothes. <laughs> Mrs. Buckthorn's forehead, in so far as it could be viewed beneath the enshrouding flannel, 
appeared deeply corrugated. "'We have a telephone,' she said coldly, "'and seeing the Ladies' Aid Missionary Society has lately installed one in the parsonage for the special use of the parish, "'twould seem as though I, as President, should have been the first to be informed. "'But to hear it from you, Malvina, strikes me as exceedingly—' "'Oh, well, he was so flabbergasted and like that, "'he probably didn't give you nor anybody a thought,' interrupted Miss Bennet. "'Are you referring to our pastor, Malvina?' "'Certainly I be. "'Probably he didn't get a wink of sleep all night, "'and him being new to the job, too. "'Learned he looked like he'd been drawed through a knothole backwards. "'The minute he opened the door I seen something was up.' but i didn't ask no questions it being my enduring rule not to whatever i see or don't see in my customers houses there's plenty of folks that'd be regular gossips having my exception opportunities so to say not me no i says i shut my eyes and my ears to everything except my business and that's making stylish clothes up to date in every particular <laughs> and I'll defy any woman in this here town what's worn my sewing to show a hook that's come off before its time, or a seam that's parted, except lawful on account of some customers being too fleshy, which nobody can't lay to my door, it being the work of our maker. Miss Malvina paused for breath, and Mrs. Buckthorn, who had apparently been lost in gloomy retrospection, again fixed a searching gaze upon her visitor. "'You tell me you did not display curiosity,' she said. "'Did Mr. Pettibone inform you of what had taken place?' Miss Malvina chuckled. "'Oh, he done it himself,' she replied. "'Just squawked right out. "'You ought to have heard him guess he was hungry, "'for he stopped all of a sudden like somebody cocked him up with "'Malvina Bennett, do you mean to tell me that our pastor miss bennett stared uncomprehendingly for an instant and then she burst into cackling laughter rocking herself back and forth and slapping her thin knees in an ecstasy of mirth oh for pity's sake mrs buckthorn she exclaimed your intellect must be some affected by your new rights or whatever it is that ails you i meant the baby of course oh tell you what that baby's got good strong lungs I bet he'll be heard from right along. <laughs> Mrs. Buckthorn looked much offended. Neuritis, she said majestically, affects the nerves, not the brain, Malvina. No, don't go just yet. I've something to say to you first. Oh, I was only joking, Miss Buckthorn, apologised the little dressmaker paling before the implacable expression on the large flaccid face under its coronet of dingy red flannel <clears throat> you and i hope all that knows me must recognise the fact i never take any important step in life without first laying the matter before the throne of grace stated mrs buckthorn in the rotund voice she reserved for prayer meeting platform and conjugal use Mm-hmm, assented Miss Malvina, seeming to grow smaller in her chair. I know you're an awful good woman, Mrs. Buckthorn. 
i strive to be intoned that lady and having as i just told you considered the matter carefully and prayerfully i have decided feeling it be my christian duty to henceforth employ the new dressmaker whose name is hobbs i am told though she prefers to be known as madame louise miss bennett was sitting up very straight now a red spot in either thin cheek what did you say to the lord mrs buckthorn when you laid the matter o' given me the go-by before the throne o grace as you call it what did i say how dare you ask me such a wicked question malvina bennett and you a professor in the presbyterian church well i'd like to know just how you put it up to the lord replied miss bennett composedly i was thinking maybe you laid it before the wrong throne folks is apt to get things mixed up once in a while especially when they're so much piouser than other folks mrs buckthorn appeared to struggle vainly for utterance but the little dressmaker went on with a fine show of recklessness if you wasn't a regular hypocrite which there's plenty of folks in this town as i could name as thinks you be you'd have to own up to the lord that miss malvina bennett always made your clothes honest and strong double stitching all the seams and as stylish as was possible considering how fleshy you be and malvina burst from the outraged mrs buckthorn i refuse to listen to you you can't help listening miss buckthorn crowed miss bennett but i ain't a-goin to keep you from your new rights for long i got plenty to do in my shop for folks as just as pious as you be and a lot easier to fit i always thought i'd admire to tell you just what i thought and maybe it'll do you good to think it over a spell after i'm gone one thing you ought to get spanked into you is that real good folks ain't always a-blowin their tin horns the way you be and they ain't so set up with their prayer-meetin manners as to be a nuisance to their neighbours why even my great cat'll turn tail and run when she sees you a-comin in the yard mrs buckthorn and children'll make themselves scarce rather than meet you especially if it's sunday and they've been smellin a flower or listenin to a bird a-singin in the trees miss bennett had risen from her chair and was backing toward the door as she poured forth this fervid torrent of words a joyous energy appeared to emanate from her small person her faded eyes sparkled why you ain't got the faintest idea of being a regular christian she cried even your bible's got so mixed up with holy buckthorn you don't know which is which and that's about all f for to-day i shall admire to see you busting out your plackets when that hob woman gets through with you miss bennett reached the street still scintillating with the joys of combat but as she sped swiftly along under the budding maples the spring wind blowing cold in her face her spirits gradually fell oh, guess i went and made an awful fool of myself she reflected never once stopped to think of deacon buckthorn owning the roof at covers us and me behind with my rent expecting to settle up with mrs buckthorn's spring dressmaking as usual good land what be i going to do if all my customers leaves me seems as though the lord wasn't so mindful of his own as the minister was telling last sunday she went two blocks out of her way to pass trimmer's dry goods store yes there was her rival's resplendent sign in fresh gold letters on a black ground 
madame louise robes repeated miss malvina aloud sounds like a funeral director robes well i'd like to see the way she finishes off a dress waist inside if i wasn't afraid of running into some of her customers i'd just step up them stairs and cast my eye around i bet i could tell inside of two minutes what sort of a female miss hobbs is and what she can do in the dressmaking line she dallied with the glittering temptation to the point of crossing the street then with one foot on the lower step of the steep staircase leading aloft her courage failed her i ain't got the strength of mind she confessed weakly i guess if i should meet one of my regular customers up there i'd drop dead in a double duck fit some other time maybe the sound of high-pitched voices engaged in earnest conversation on the upper landing lent wings to her feet for two blocks then quite out of breath she stopped to reason with herself all the fools ain't dead yet malvina bennett she told herself with a sniff of strong disdain now just to punish you you turn straight round and march back to that there woman's shop you go up them stairs and you knock on her door what you going to say to her when she comes to the door why you're going to say you want to see miss hobbs that'll take the wind out in her sails first off then you'll think of something to say i'll bet you'll have to there ain't nobody going to hurt you and if you was to meet customers that ain't lady enough to tell you when they're tired of the styles in arts and modes when made up as i do it in my shop i ain't the one to get red around the ears communing thus masterfully with herself miss malvina propelled her unwilling body back to the spot from which she had so lately beat a shamed retreat now here you be malvina now you go on up them stairs business is business and don't you forget that for a minute you gotta know what you're up against if it ain't nothing to be scared of you'll soon find it out if it is well, you gotta know that too but i'll be switched if i'm a-goin to be scared of a bogeying under the bed at my time o life the awe-inspiring words madame louise robes were repeated in flourishing gold script on the curtained glass door above miss bennett paused to inspect them sternly i suppose george trimmer done that much to rent his rooms she told herself no them handsome gold letters won't bite you malvina no they won't help her none if her sewing ain't good but her trembling hand obstinately declined to aid and abet the bold project she had in mind be you telling me you're scared to knock on that there door malvina sneered miss bennett do you suppose there's a bold constrictor on the other side eh his chops all a slavering and ready to swallow you all well if there is you got to pass that there door all the same you hear me she was spared a final effort of will by the sudden opening of the door in question a buxom girl confronted her on the threshold with a quick stare of recognition behind the girl stood a tall thin woman her face twisted in an artificial smile End of chapter 3